Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and he can say whatever he wants because he dubs in those intros. (laughs) I know we've mentioned this on a previous episode, but I need people to know. He he just says whatever he wants to start the episode and ends the, and I'm Bradley Brower. And I'm like, that's my cue to protect (laughs) the intro. That's really funny. I was just feeling really lazy today. Normally I have it up and I'm like, I'll read it out as well as I can. But today I just, I couldn't get it up fast enough, so. You're stuck with my fake intro. It is definitely, definitely one of those Friday. It is Friday, isn't it? I've, I've kind of lost track of how to tell time. So I've been playing one of those Instagram games on my phone and I use the phone's um, date and time to cheat. So I keep jumping forward. Like I'm, I think my phone is on like June 32nd right now. So that's why I, I keep fucking up my computer, my uh, phone's like calendars. I really don't know what day it is. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. No, I was, I was telling Bradley in the pre-meeting, like I woke up early this morning. Like I'd set my alarm and woke up early this morning. I woke up, I was like, why did I set my alarm early this morning? And I rolled over and I opened YouTube and right at the first thing was Bad Batch episode four review. And I went, oh shit, that's why I got up early this morning. (laughs) Exactly. Like, oh crap, I forgot. I usually make my breakfast. I like sit down before like I even start the episode. I pull up Disney Plus and I'm like, okay, well, this is a really relaxing kind of like Friday morning ritual. It's a difference between the two of us. He watches the episode and like has fun with it. I watched the episode and I've got like Wikipedia up in one window, <laughs> got my notepad in front of me. I'm like, I am ready to go. And then we will inevitably fuck up something on the show. Right. Like it's almost a, a running gag at this point that I will fuck up whatever it is I didn't research. That's the thing that will be the most prevalent. Yeah. Normally what I do is I take like quick notes. And then if I have something, I'm like, oh crap, I got to go look that up on Wikipedia. Or I have to go look that up to be like, what is that? Like what? Do you call the walrus guy, you know, breed or whatever the species is like? I hope you took notes of that because I didn't. I noticed it. (laughs) Or I noticed the the one alien from Rebels, but I didn't necessarily take a note of who it was. We have to be careful too, because we can't, we have to be careful because like if we did all the trivia all the time for everything, these episodes would be like, two hours long that's true so we'll we'll just say this was our uh, abridged episode (laughs) (laughs) this is our we made some strategic cuts right 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 of course yeah we meant to do that we did it was intentional intentionally left out walrus guy's cousin it's so people have something to respond to in the comments oh of course of course before we dive into the episode we've got a few pieces of news i just want to bring up real quick Mm -hmm. there was a bit of a kerfuffle uh-huh. on social media the other day what uh, dave filoni has apparently been an executive creative director at lucasfilm for like a year okay and they just updated the star wars website to uh... match his new title and so people thought he had just been promoted to executive creative director oh uh, okay so people were like um whoa he just got promoted good for him but he's been promoted he's been this promoted time. for a year <laughs> i bring that up for two reasons he, he's it's him and two other people are the executive creative directors at lucasfilm i bring that up for two reasons one i just want to bring it up because he's awesome and right. we love him and it's whether it was a year ago or whether it was now it's well-deserved for him to have more creative control. But there is a line from the Variety article, and this is why I wanted to bring it up on the show. There's a line in the Variety article, they're advancing Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, uh, but they said that Rangers of the New Republic, and this is to quote directly the article, is not in active development, or as a paraphrase, kind of. I mean... To be fair, in TV land, that could literally mean anything, but... I noted here, I was like, so what is that? What does, what does that, that even mean? mean? Yeah, Exactly? That's tough to say. I mean, theoretically, I would say it's canceled, but in Star Wars world, you know, 
nothing, no one's ever really gone. So I right. mean, <laughs> you never well, know. Well, I was thought, thinking, you know, it was like, I wonder if there's some speculation that it maybe was the spinoff that was meant to center around Cara Dune. Oh, okay. And there's a possibility that because they sort of backed off of it a little bit. They still announced it in their big slew of right, right, right. things, but they, they might be like working on retooling it. They might be able, they might be like working to find like a new creative team. It's, it's just interesting yeah. that those three, they talked about Ahsoka, Book of Boba and um, Mandalorian, but they, they mentioned that Rangers of the New Republic and Variety is not an active Right. yeah maybe they're i mean that could be a lot of things maybe they're just looking for a new team to make it or new direction i mean honestly to solve the cara dune problem you could literally just it's the same character just change the name like you could just say or, oh this is just a random ass woman like <laughs> you know it doesn't think, have to be you know i think i think the guy from kim's convenient should be the new lead uh so that's the the pilot the guy who plays the pilot i can't remember his name but he plays the other new republic pilot in season two the one that's not Dave Filoni. Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Okay, I, I okay, I, I just looked him up. I remember what he, I, I thought you were like, Paul, someone I, I looked up Paul Kim. Paul Sun Hyung Lee is I looked, his name. I looked up Kim Convenience and I was like, Simu Liu. I was like, that's Shang-Chi actor. I was yeah, like- Simu, I was Simu like, Liu is, <laughs> uh, is, is Shang-Chi. No, yeah. but the other, I see what you mean. The uh, Paul Sun guy, he is, you're right. He Paul Sun Hyung Lee, yeah, he's- He's, I think the show should center around him personally. Interesting. I mean, I would rather have Shang-Chi as the center of the show, but I mean, that's just... I mean, I'd rather just have more of, of that guy in general. I mean, yes, I could have. Ooh, actually, if he's in this, he would, would he be a Disney trifecta with Shang-Li? Uh, or... No, he hasn't voiced anything yet, but he'd be on his way to the Disney trifecta. So the last thing that I want to cover before we dive into the episode mm -hmm. and we'll make this quick but it's time for the section of the show called charles has to clarify the thing that he should have done research on before we ran the last episode but bradley sprung it on him without telling him in the pre-meeting so he wasn't <laughs> prepared and misremembered it we'll workshop the title of this segment but i want to talk about the short story of mse6 and men on the last episode, we were discussing this short story that apparently has gay Tarkin in it. Yes. And I said that when I read the story, I read it as being the one officer who asks, uh, TK420, why aren't you at your post? I went back and checked it. And it's, I am right that it's never explicitly stated who the older author or the, who the older character is mm -hmm. that TK420 is in a gay relationship with. But between the fact that there's like stuff in his quarters that's from Tarkin's home planet mm -hmm. and the guy acts just like Tarkin and swears vengeance on the rebellion for killing his like boyfriend and the author is apparently like liked tweets on Twitter and talked about how he likes gay villains. After further research, I have determined that it probably was in fact Tarkin and Wikipedia agrees with me. Hallelujah. Pride Month confirmed. I am not sure I like this. I, I like more LGBT characters. Correct. I even am fine with those LGBT characters being villains. But when you have the Star Wars equivalent of like one of the biggest mass murderers in history, mm. the guy who blows up a planet and kills untold billions of people, who the concept of ruling through fear in the Star Wars universe is literally named after making that character gay is it makes me slightly uncomfortable if only at this point because i don't know if we have enough representation that there's a good cross-section yet even a villain like i'm fine with but having 
like the biggest mass murder in galactic history be gay and not only be gay like be pissed about his boyfriend dying and have that be the reason for him wanting to Mm. like blow up Yavin instead of you know just the normal reason which was (laughs) he just is really hates the rebellion like right so I think maybe that's why I didn't consider it when I first read the story we will revisit this as time goes on and representation marches on. I may eventually become more fine with this. Right. We will now dive into our episode, which is called Cornered. Bradley, what did you think of this episode overall? Um, we kind of spoke about this in the pre-meeting, but it was very much a, you know, a pretty simple cut and dry, purely, I guess, action focused episode i I can't really say there was anything wrong with it because there wasn't too much like i mean there was a little bit of development for like i would say maybe omega's character but other than that i mean it was like all right this is this is it and i was right last week because i did say i said this episode was either going to be the fennec episode or it was going to be the rex episode and it was the fennec episode you know we're just gonna let bradley do our guessing from now on (laughs) We'll let Bradley, we're not, I'm not going to be allowed to make any guesses about what the next episode is going to be because I'm right about everything except (laughs) that. No, I thought that other than introducing one of our main series villains, Mm -hmm. it, it didn't really do a whole lot to advance. Yeah, no. The overarching plot, which is fine. Yeah. It was a fun episode. It was fine. And I think it introduced her in a good way. Um, Without getting too much into it, I feel like the show does something that a lot of shows do a disservice to their villain, which is make them incompetent. And what I liked is this episode kind of made Fennec lose, in quotes, um, but without making her look like a bumbling idiot. Like, oh, I can't beat the heroes because I'm just stupid and I just happen to be evil. Like, we can see her clearly do stuff throughout the episode where like she kills people and she like is very competent. And then it's just like, Oh, they just happen to get away. I don't think, I actually don't think she kills anyone over the course of this. She kills like three people. She kills like three people. Yes. That I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Oh, right. (laughs) See, I didn't take notes of that. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't take like actual notes. Maybe when we get to the part, I'll be like, oh, there's the part where she shoots the cop in the face. There's the part where she takes the guy and she literally throws him out of the side of the car. I do have a note about that guy. Um, No, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a, I thought letting her kind of have her own episode to be introduced like they didn't advance a lot of the bad batch, right? But that time was spent on Phoenix Shand, mm-hmm. which I think I, we were all here for anyway. Yeah, because honestly, everything else was just kind of like a rehash of other stuff. Like, well, maybe we can just get into it, and then we'll. They gotta just, fix we'll, the we'll, ship again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Hunter I was goes gonna off say. Of the Omega again, right? It's, we know by now what the show is going to be. We yeah, it's like, what is the lesson that Omega has to learn every episode? I feel like that's what the show is now. It's like, what is her episode? What is her, what morals or what lessons does she have to learn? It's like, a kid's show <laughs> for kids. That makes sense. Right. We open up with our um, intrepid heroes uh, on the ship again. They're looking to hide at a planet called Idaflor, which Wikipedia describes as an astrological object that's okay. apparently deserted. It didn't exist before this episode. It's completely oh. new. There's no trivia about it. Gotcha. Uh, Omega is upset because she's lived on Camino all her life and she wants to do some more exploring. Right. And Hunter's they... like, you can't do that. <laughs> before we settle down on a planet. Before we settle down on a deserted planet. I like how Hunter doesn't say no. Right. He says not, not yet. quite yet. Yeah. Which is a good way to relate to relate to the kid that no, we're not killing your dreams. We, right. we just can't do it yet. But they decide in order to scramble their uh, ship thing so that they don't get detected or whatever, they need to land on the closest planet, which is called which is called Pandora. My phone autocorrected it to Pandora. 
I when I was writing my notes, it said Pandora, and I was like, um, "Excuse me, notes app. I don't like that movie. Do not autocorrect my Star Wars thing to a fucking thing about blue people, alien Pocahontas in space." Okay. Yeah, can't uh, can't imagine like what it would be like to land on a planet with blue people that live on it. And did, did you notice that there were the species that was there were home world species to this planet were all blue? So fun thing about Pantora, we have seen it before. <laughs> we it it featured in a few episodes of the Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, one of my personal favorite episodes about colonialism. Uh, no, really, this was this was a thing. Okay, you can't even make this up. This is like it's all this like is the thing. Connected. The episode yeah. is one of my favorite episodes. It's about like how colonialism is bad. Oh my god! And I like I love it. It's great. Uh, they featured in that episode. We've seen it a few times, but most famously, the Pantoran species mm-hmm. are the species that were portrayed in Revenge of the Sith by George Lucas and two of his children. In the opera house scene, uh, George Lucas has his only cameo along with two of his kids. Uh, They are Pantorans who are going to the opera. Let's go to the opera, dad. His third child is the Padawan that gets gunned down. Yes, I knew that. Where, uh, what's it, Space Jimmy Smiths or whatever, he uh, he's like- Baylor, Baylor, how did you forget Bail Organa? I don't know. So we're going to land on Pantora. I noted here that Omega is very much an audience surrogate and that she, she wants to go see other planets and then she's excited to go to Pandora and we're excited to go to Pandora. It's, it's nice that she's expressing some of the emotions of the audience here. Yeah, she. I mean, I feel like that's what every episode is going to be now. It's just her... It, she is the she's that thing that grounds us to the team like she she's us we are her we are she omega us, we are <laughs> we are one with the omega yes so they land on pantora pantoro has kind of a i love the design of pantora because it kind of has a vague like ottoman empire thing going yeah i noticed some the of domes. the some of the rooftops uh looked very arabic like kind of I love style it. i liked I love a lot it. yeah It was really cool, but also like a very techie city. Like, I don't know. It was really weird how they did that, but. So they land on the planet dock worker or the, the guy who runs the dockyard is trying to extort them for money. Yeah. I like how Wrecker's like, but you said that you were going to not tell anybody. He's like, yeah, for like the right price. (laughs) Give me money. And then he turns around and sells them out anyway, but. And who does he sell him out to? To the one, the only Finnick Shand, oh. portrayed here by the incomparable Ming Na Wen, reprising her, her so role. Much. I'm so happy to see Finnick Shand in this. I am too, because I was, I was really worried, because like she seems like almost a throwaway character in the beginning of Mando season one. Uh, it's like. We saw her, and I guess I guess I should have known better that if they're gonna get her to be a character on a show, she's not just gonna be some one episode throwaway character. They they had a future plan for her in mind because if you look at her IMDb page, she has never not played anything that is like super important, very like long term. Like so, it's very. <laughs> or you know what you're getting into yeah. when you cast Ming Na Wen. Yeah, and so. what you're getting into is you do not put Ming-Na Wen in the corner. <laughs> if you're so. going to cast her in something, you have a plan for that character. Right, which I love. Because uh, Mando season one, you know, we barely get to see her in action. I mean, you know, she's kind of there and then she gets captured and then she, you know, dies. Theor- theoretically dies. We don't know what happens in Mando dies season two because we, we haven't seen Mando season two. So as far as we know, she's dead. Yes. Um, uh, but we never got to really see her now to be fair I think I, I do forget watching this show that she's supposed to be younger here see I did notice that with her model I noticed that mm-hmm. she looked you know in her very early 20s yeah I would put her at 
so they did a good job of like she's clearly a young character but like she's also clearly been around the block a few times right she's kind of in her bounty hunting prime i would say right i mean the underworld is flourishing right now right so that would make sense that maybe she got into this in the war and was successful at it kept her head down but it is good to see her um, and clearly we'll get to this later but clearly she is not a one-off character either right, right exactly they leave tech and wrecker uh behind to do repairs on the ship they're leaving wrecker for some reason to do repairs don't know why they thought <laughs> maybe because he could lift things we see him lift some of the components out yeah 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 i guess it's just they just need him for his strength I guess like it's just like okay I need you to lift up that heavy piece now put that heavy piece over there like <laughs> yeah and it, like that's that's what he does and I'm like I'm sure he must have some other uses to the team besides this but I haven't determined what those are yet yeah well I mean this is the point of having certain people around you know you you just have them to open up jars and reach that's high true. things on shelves Echo is also in disguise. I, I love his disguise, by the way. Um, his, like, droid disguise. Because I guess it's not that... He's not technically far off from being a droid. He is a cyborg at this point. He's, like, so. he's like 50%, 60% droid. Right, so just cover up your point. face and you're basically a droid. And that proves to be a benefit to them later on. Right. I also do love his disguise. I, I bet you they're going to do a Funko Pop of like all the different looks for the Bad Batch. So mm. you're going to have the disguises and you're going to have the... Yeah, you know, I they so they just dropped um, Mando Season 2 Funkos yesterday. And I was surprised not to see a Fennec Shan Funko because, you know, they did a Boba Fett one with this little skirt or whatever he has. Um, and I was like, huh, I wonder why they didn't do one for Mando season two yet. And I think that's because they're going to do one for Bad Batch instead. So I don't know if they're going to do it. They may do both. I don't know. But I'm assuming they're going to do it for Bad Batch only because they want to get more, you know, merch out of that. They already have plenty of merch for, you know, Mando. So I feel like they might do it for. I just assume at this point, if Bad Batch can wring money out of, gullible people who constantly are buying these tiny plastic abominations yeah that they're going to wring as much money out of uh those poor unfortunate souls as humanly possible bradley how's your credit card debt looking unrelatedly um well uh seeing how i just dropped a hundred dollars on all the i'm just kidding uh no i actually i only spent fifty dollars on man oh he's responsible so, yeah because i i didn't buy every single one i i left one out and then uh as i was buying them from target's website i realized that the one of them was a gamestop exclusive so i had to basically pay double for a gamestop exclusive baby yoda which is annoying but you did it anyway yeah but i had to pay for shipping which fucking sucks and it's like that's why i hate gamestop like i just wish they had like some kind of like i'm like i've bought so much shit from you guys why can't you just give me like free shipping like i don't understand it doesn't cost you any money to ship fucking a tiny little baby Yoda Funko. So why, like, come on. So we move into uh, the next scene, which I'm I'm rushing into because I really, really, really want to talk about this scene. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite scene in the entire episode. They come across a procession of Imperial troopers that are marching. They're not quite stormtroopers yet, but the clone troopers, the Imperial troopers that are marching we have Rampart in the background with the chain code and the crowd absolutely goes wild for mm. these troopers. Yeah. And Omega's like, why are they cheering? And Hunter's like, well, the, the war is over. And Omega's like, well, isn't the war being over a good thing? And the response is, depends what side you're on. Right. That little exchange, with the whole idea of the people cheering because... By this point, the galaxy's been at war for so long. They're exhausted. Yeah, they so really don't care. Yeah. Assemble, assemble of the war ending, they're happy to see it. Even if it's, from our outsider perspective, space fascism is bad. Yeah, I, I like to compare this to, um, I believe it's, uh, it might be the Empire Day episode of uh, Rebels, 
where <laughs> the crowd does not like the celebration going on you know there's lots of people who are like boo empire boo you know it's a difference what 20 years makes obviously uh when definitely a new regime takes over to when they leave you know so it's uh I thought that was a weird like parallel to the, what we've seen before where people like throw rocks at the stormtroopers and stuff whereas now they're like cheering them on and yeah it's definitely a different era and I like this because the dark times kind of all get lumped together mm-hmm. historically and it's nice to see that you know the empire really was cheered because people thought oh it's going to make things more secure oh it's going to make things safer the war is over the separatists won't be able to come back. It's great. And then 18 years later, it's like, actually, this kind of sucked a lot. I love this scene. This scene is great. And I love the line, it, it depends what side you're on. Mm-hmm. Because when you really stop to think about it, nobody really won this war. I guess maybe the people kind Palpatine of won. Yeah, Pi- yeah, I guess he's, only won. Real, he's the only real winner. Because the Republic was dissolved. Yeah. The Separatists were destroyed. Nobody really, the Jedi were almost wiped out. Nobody really won this war. So for people to cheer, like, is really quite ominous and disconcerting. I love that detail that's in it from the writers. So as our repairs start um, back at the ship, Hunter and Omega and Echo visit a shop there's a little doll that uh omega picks up mm-hmm. that kind of looks like a an older version of the doll from rogue one i would argue that it is a first edition version of whatever doll is from rogue one i mean she needs to get that she used to buy that and keep it for 20 years and she can right. sell it fortune she could but although the one that she buys isn't in its original packaging so it's worthless basically so yeah because then some dog eats it at one point and so it's like we'll get to the dog thing (laughs) i have notes about the dog thing we'll get to that i i i was reminded of stormy from that's the stormtrooper's name that stormtrooper doll's name by the way it is in rogue one yes oh i did not know that stormy stormy the doll Fun fact, uh, I'm pretty sure I would have to go back and double check this. We'll see if I can say something that I didn't check beforehand and that I, I can actually get it right this time. I believe Jen Urso's last thoughts before she's it's evaporated by the Death Star blast are of that doll. Oh, strange. Interesting. I would need to double check that. That might be in the, uh, the actual novelization of the movie or... Something. It is. Okay. It is. It's in the novelization. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I, I noticed that the doll had um, the Clone Wars era helmet on instead of the Stormtrooper helmet, which obviously would make sense at this point. But I just thought it was funny that they would they would have even changed the helmet on the dolls <laughs> to match. Yeah, it may be a newer doll because that armor was being used for you know about a year or so prior to this. The shopkeeper uh, won't take their detonator, but he does mistake Echo for a droid and offers to buy him. Which I, I, I did not like because he's like, hmm, that droid looks like, I'd, I'd buy that thing. And he's like, well, this is just like a military prototype. You don't want this thing. Like... <laughs> Like, why do you have it then? What, what's so valuable about it? Like, The shopkeeper does not ask a lot of... For a guy who's concerned about a reputable business, the shopkeeper does not ask a lot of questions he should be asking. Yeah. Like, what does it do? What is its function? Like, he just why looks does it at, have like, a gun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't really seem to care, which is weird, but... Just drops 3,000 credits on this thing. Right. Echo also takes being called a droid surprisingly well considering, you know, the trauma that he's endured and, and how he reacts to the droids on Kamino, he takes being called a droid surprisingly well. I mean, he does kind of scoff a little bit. He's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, at least get a good price for me. Like, I mean, yeah, he's... I would have thought he would be a little bit more... Offended. Offended by it or, you know, but he takes it in his stride. And as the shopkeeper is leading uh, not a droid Echo away, Omega encounters a familiar 
dog type thing. Some kind of puppy. Now, did you recognize the some kind of puppy, Bradley? Because um, I recognized it immediately. Okay, see, I the only reason why I know you recognize it is because I believe it's on that terrible other show that you watched. It was on the uh, basically all right show, Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> that is the same species as Buggles. Buggles, which is a what? What kind of species is he? <laughs> I wrote it down, but I just wanted to know if you knew it off the top of your head. I did not research i did not so i googled to make sure that it was the same i googled buggles but i never actually clicked on the wikipedia article to write down exactly what the species was he's a vorpack he's a vorpack that's what it's called it's a Bradley always has to come in with one piece of trivia that i didn't bother to look up yeah the vorpack buggles uh owned by tora doza yep buggles is a a staple of that show which I'm sure we will cover at, at some point on the show in between. We will we will discuss. We'll see if we can't change Bradley's mind on this show. I do have a fun fact about um, the Vorpak, though. I did random. I just because I did look it up now. What is what is your fun fact? So uh, from Solo, Kira um, often wears a shirt lined with Vorpak fur. So her fur coat basically is Vorpak. Oh man, she's wearing uh, she's, she's Cruella Deville. She yeah, she is. She's Cruella Deville. She takes the four pack puppies and she gets exactly 101 of them to create her coat. <laughs> the puppy takes her doll and runs off. Echo takes over supervising the droids. The the 3PO unit's like, "You're not a droid. I'm going to report this deception." And Echo just pulls out his gun that he kept. Right. And is like, yeah, you can file a complaint with me. <laughs> I'm the complaints department. <laughs> I'm the complaints department, he says as he takes the safety off. But back in the street, Omega runs into Finnick Shand herself. Which, it by doesn't... the way, I love how they did this scene. Because they show Finnick kind of stalking her a little bit. And then she realizes, like, oh shit, like, I'm lost. Like, Omega's like, I just ran away in this unknown city i don't know where i am and fennec shan comes up to her like this concerned like nice lady who's like oh my god are you lost like do you need some help like i can help you it's totally fine and then omega's like oh yeah thank you so much i immediately trust you <laughs> she's got a lot to learn clearly because what when are you ever gonna tr- never stranger trust a stranger danger. in star stranger wars stranger danger there's no good people in star wars never trust a stranger in star wars Absolutely, and unless they're like a hooded and robed figure, in which case you can probably trust them. Mm-hmm. But Fennec Shan does not have a hood or a robe, so we know that we cannot trust her. She gives Omega some street arguably smart. bad life advice. <laughs> street smarts. About, uh, and it's an interesting contrast to what she's always been told, which is, you know, we got to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Etc. And Finnick Shan's like, nah. Yeah, I actually kind of like that because it gives more, if anything, gives more backstory to Fennec, right? Like where she kind of comes from, what her life was like before she was a bounty hunter or something. Because that that trick that she learns when she bumps into the lady and then she steals the fruit, if you think about it, it's like, oh, she learned that on the streets. Like there's something there where she picked that up from being a kid who probably had to fend for herself or something. And it was just like a very like, again, going back to Solo, reminded me of Kira and Solo when they were kids. And that was their whole backstory was that they, you know, they were working for the crime syndicate, trying to steal stuff to stay alive, basically. Omega also offers uh, to let Finnick join them, which personally, I know I would, it wouldn't happen, but I would love to see the Bad Batch and Finnick Shan team up. Yeah, I... I have a weird thought when she said that. She's like, oh, you can come with us on all shit. And I was like, are they setting this up for the end of the season or something? Like where Fennec is going to realize like, oh, I don't care about the Empire. I'm just going to join these guys because their cause is more closer to what I want to do than what. Or they'll probably just like offer her a bunch of money. Yeah, I know. I just thought it was really weird. I was like, are they trying to like 
set up something for the end like where she's gonna be a good person but i was like wait but that doesn't work with her character it and mando depends. so i don't know it depends we will get in in a, in a few notes we're gonna blow through the rest of the episode here because it's not a lot yeah but we're gonna get to who she might be working for and how that might inform where this is going mm. with her yeah. okay but hunter gets them hunter tracks them down because that's kind of his thing. Right. A fight breaks out. I like that Omega's reaction when Fennec starts firing isn't to run away. It's to reach up and grab the gun above her head and pull it down. Yeah, that was really smart. I was like, okay. I yeah. did like that detail that, again, she's fighting strategically. Uh, we get some back and forth with some different scenes bouncing around here. Um, Basically, the droids leave the shop, which is hilarious, uh, go back to the ship, and <laughs> they're fixing it up. Astromechs just generally being the most useful things in Star Wars. Clearly. Wrecker, so Omega goes down into the sewer, mm -hmm. eventually runs down in there. Wrecker follows her in. So it's just the time-honored Star Wars tradition of running into the sewer. I'm always reminded of like, there was a, a like a runoff grate so it wasn't a sewer but when i was a little kid growing up in georgia behind our house there was a creek that actually was runoff from the grates on the streets and we had an entrance that we could actually go inside so it's always every time i see somebody running around in the sewer i'm reminded of me being a kid going inside this outflow pipe mm. of just runoff water from the street. That's just a little story about me growing up. <laughs> I was like, did you have uh, one of your uh, 10 or what was it? They have like four of them. One of your four adoptive fathers watching you on a security <laughs> cam, jumping into the sewer and being like, oh, she's in the secure. She's in the sewer. Yeah. Tech, tech very much is the guy in the chair in this episode briefly. Just for like a second. I just thought that was a fun little moment. He was like, because they use the same security cameras um, in A New Hope that they yep. shoot, um, which I thought was a weird, like, I was like, oh, I know what that is. Because I always thought it was weird when I watched it in A New Hope, whenever they blow up all the different security cameras, but, and they just flip the same footage and they just repeat the same footage. <laughs> I actually, I have the Lego Death Star, the Lego, like, massive one with all the different rooms in it and they mm -hmm. have in the detention block they have one of those little cameras, cameras in there i like those cameras i think they're fun i think they're great uh but wrecker actually follows them down in there and confronts fennec shand as omega runs away mm -hmm. wrecker is immediately effortlessly beaten by fennec shand i worry a bit with wrecker that it's going to wind up, he's going to wind up being the Worf effect character for this show. What does that mean? So the Worf effect, I'm going to, I'm going to get all of everybody mad at me, but I have to talk about Star Trek for a minute. Blasphemy. I know it's horrible. It's awful. Uh, never I... go look at my IMDB page. You will be horrified by some of the things I've been in. In Star Trek, the next generation there is a character called Worf who is a Klingon. He's supposed to be, he's like, I don't know, he's like the chief of security or something for the ship. I've been in more Star Trek than I've actually watched. But he's supposed to be like the best fighter on the Enterprise. So every time they have a villain that they need to establish as a real like powerful threat, they just have a beat up Worf. So Worf, despite it be saying that he's the most capable on the ship, uh, he gets beat up more often than not to establish our villain is threatening. So the Worf effect is the name for that specific trope, where you have a character who's established to be a really good fighter, but is constantly being beat up by villains to establish that the villains are powerful. I worry that Wrecker is going that direction. I definitely felt like in this episode, at least in particular, they had to show that Fennec was a good bounty hunter, a good fighter, a good whatever. So when they put her up against Wrecker, 
it only took her a second to knock him out. I thought that was maybe like kind of sacrificed Wrecker's character a little bit for the plot, but I mean, I don't know. I, I can, I can deal with it only because I think Fennec is supposed to be a pretty good, you know, character. Like she is a good fighter. She is a good, you know, she is a serious kind of, character because in mando they established she's portrayed that she, by ming na wen obviously she's right one of the most capable characters well, in this series i just i just mean because like in uh mando you know they do say she's one of the most dangerous bounty hunters out there so they have to kind of back that up a little bit with this kind of background they're telling us so i'm fine with it kill him part of the Part of the benefit to the series focusing on one specific group of people as opposed to Clone Wars bouncing around, and this was a benefit that Rebels had as well, mm. was that we have time now to explore these different people. So I'm hoping Wrecker gets an episode that really does here very soon because he's mostly been either comic relief or he's been beaten up to establish the, the villain is threatening. So I'm hoping we get some more screen time from him just to establish there may be more to him than that right omega crawls up so we go from the sewers we're just covering all the star wars chase locations this episode so we go from the sewers up to the skyline yeah how Uh, did she get all the way up there like i'm i guess i guess the ladder led like (laughs) all the way up to a tower sewer to the top of the tower yeah, I thought that was a little weird, but whatever. I, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for like three seconds to be like, okay, she's on top of a tower now. <laughs> I mean, in Star Wars, you got to suspend your disbelief for a lot longer than that. Right. Uh, so she she slips and like if something like blows up, she slips and she's hanging off. This whole sequence and then the sequence that follows reminded me a lot of the Attack of the Clones with the speeder chase and then yeah. to a lesser extent star wars bounty hunter yeah no it definitely did because the the whole chase scene with the speeders and the cars and the flying and the everything i mean it was very anakin falling from five thousand feet or whatever i mean whatever ridiculous height that he fell and from just landing yeah, casually landing casually on a car like no big deal i'm reminded of like bounty hunter how you would have to jump around between different things but there was also episodes on or episodes there were also levels on coruscant mm. see i haven't played a game with actual levels in a while i'm hoping fingers crossed that i can get a switch soon and play some of the old star wars games they just released on it so finnick saves omega and then immediately tosses her off the tower again right. yeah i like how she's like tuck and roll kid and then like tuck and roll drops and drops her and doesn't she doesn't tuck and roll by the way there's an extended chase at one point they like dump the cargo omega dumps the cargo mm-hmm. and there's a shot of the guy and he's in the the car just vibing yes that and I'm was like, so funny this is this is why you don't listen to your headphones while you're driving while you're driving exactly and i thought it was funny because he was a little walrus guy and i i i don't know i like seeing those characters because they're just kind of fun you know like especially when they don't overdo it you know because we don't really see a lot of whatever walrus man's species is um too much anyway and so whenever when we do, do see them it's fun. when you do too many references it can make the galaxy this was a complaint i heard about solo is that it, you can make the galaxy feel smaller mm. as opposed to making it feel bigger right so I think it's a fine line. I think animation walks that line pretty well because they have a lot more time. Solo and Rogue One aired a little bit on the side of too many references. Mm-hmm. The sequel trilogy aired on the side of not enough, except for maybe Rise of Skywalker. Maybe Kate brought it back around to being just a little too many, but yeah, it's a careful line you have to walk. So I know this is not the case. Yes. But the second time I watched the episode when I was doing my note taking, I was like, the guy who Finnick like throws out of the speeder. Yes. And the guy Hunter steals his swoop bike from. 
I know they're not the same guy, but they oh, look like in a flash, the, model. the models look so yeah, similar. It looks very similar, yeah. I have chosen to believe it's the same guy who just had a really bad day. He's just had a very bad day. That's hilarious, actually. Yeah, he was he was on his bike because he thought, oh, I'm just going to take a quick trip to like the grocery store, get some groceries real quick, and come right back. I don't need my actual car. And then his bike gets stolen. He's like, oh, shit. Well, I got to run home real quick, get my car, because I got to go pick up my wife on the other side of town because she's late to her meeting and she needs the car. So he takes his car and he goes to get his wife and then Fennec Shan throws him out of the car. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's my, my backup story for this. <laughs> it's amazing. It's for our certain point of view short story collection for Bad Batch. That, that'll be my pitch is that that's the same guy. Same guy. I'm going to pitch that for a, a comic book series. It's just about that guy and all of his awful running ins with the Bad Batch all the time. He's like the um, Cabbage Man from Avatar The Last Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they blow up Fennec um, with the detonator that they established earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Classic Chekhov's gun, which Bradley learned on an earlier episode of the show what a Chekhov's gun is. <laughs> so we have a classic case of that here. We set up and pay off. They're back to the ship. The Astromechs have got it finished. They kind of let the droids go. It's unclear what's going to happen to them, but... Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? It was just kind of like, okay, they're going away now. Bye. <laughs> they discuss. They take off again. They discuss how Finnick Shand is a bounty hunter who's probably after Omega. Omega has this realization that like the galaxy may be a little more dangerous than she initially thought, mm-hmm. and she's specifically, you know, on Camino, she was beneath notice a lot of the time. But there are people specifically gunning for her now. So two more things about this episode. The Finnick shows up to the doc guy and we think she's going to shoot him. (laughs) Because that would be the trope here. He would be executed for his failure. Instead, she basically says, you know how to contact me if they come back. She lets the guy live. Yeah, she pays him, which I thought was... That was a neat... Yeah. She did pay him his money, basically to keep him as an informant. And I went, one, that is a neat twist on the trope. Because we expect people to be executed for their failures. But she's like, nah, having an informant alive is more important to me Mm -hmm. than making a needless point. Yeah, and I like how it kind of is good for her character, too, because it makes her more interesting, I guess, as a character. Like, she's she not as dumb. Smarter. Like, yeah, she's a smarter, like, she's not like, oh, she's very Thrawn-like, where she's like, yes, the villain thing for me to do would be to kill this guy for being incompetent. But the smarter thing would be like, well, they might actually come back here. So it I'm going to keep him. Yeah. It almost sounds like you have learned how to read, because... In Heir to the Empire, that exact scene happens with Thrawn. Oh, well, there you go. Where a... <laughs> so there's a section in Heir to the Empire where a off like a, a bridge officer on a Star Destroyer attempts something that's a little out of the box and it fails. And everybody thinks that Thrawn is going to execute him. And Thrawn is like, no, actually, I, I appreciate that you attempted something strategic and out of the box to try to fix this problem. Right. That's actually very good. So good job. It sucks that it failed, but good job for thinking strategically and using something unorthodox. So it is a very... Hmm, Fennec Shand and Thrawn team up win. Right, hopefully soon. The last thing I want to bring up is they mention in the Omega scene that they need to know who Fennec Shand is working for. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have a theory. And I do have a theory. And then we see her contact someone by calm. So it's supposed to be this big mystery. My first thought when I watched that last scene where she's like, they got away, but I'll find them. I'm like, why are they treating it like a mystery? We know it's Rampart. Mm. We know it is. Unless it's and not. And then I stopped. And yeah. I thought to myself, I was like, but what if it's not, though? 
Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that. I'm on. I'm on that. I'm on that train. It's not my but, theory. What's your theory? She's either working for Lama Sue or Nala Say. Mm, I like that theory better. Yeah, because that, it makes sense. It makes sense. Lama Sue said last episode we need to get one clone back. Right. It would make sense that they would hire a bounty hunter under the table to try to bring them back i mean that's they hired a bounty hunter to make the dang clones so why wouldn't they hire one to find one they're big they're big on their bounty hunters that's so interesting i i like that a lot actually this is uh that's a good theory i do think it's him though i think well actually i maybe not him but i think you're right it might be his assistant lady or whatever nala say that would be interesting i think i think she might be doing it kind of under the table if you think like she kind of has like a third objective, right? Like, so it's kind of like you have the empire's objective. You have Lama Sue's objective of just kind of staying in business. And then you have her third objective, which is her whatever kind of uh, test that she's trying to do or whatever experiment she's got going on that she wants. Nala says behind it all. Yep. She's the Nala real, Palpatine. she's the real phantom menace here. Yes. Nala says secretly pulling the strings of the galaxy. Well, we'll have to find out what happens uh, next week. Maybe she's the one who's uh, gonna call Rex and be like, hey, Rex, can you get uh, Omega for me? And then he'll somehow turn and get Omega. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to come up with stuff. Because <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna go to that planet that they were going to go to. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's out. I, I wonder if there's gonna be some reason that they can't go there, that they have to go somewhere else. Yeah, because maybe it was too close to the other planet. So they're like, okay, we got to find something farther away. Zykeria has got to be soon because the promotional material show Echo with the bow, which is that's probably where she picks up the bow. Omega with the bow. You want to you hazard a guess, Bradley, since you were right about Finnick Shane, you want to hazard a guess, is next episode Rex or not? I can't remember in the trailer, the her with the, with the energy bow did that what i don't remember what that planet looked like but i feel like that is its own episode that does not have to do with the rex episode so i'm yeah, thinking I think they're two different planets so i'm thinking if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do my psychic um night sister witch powers i'm gonna say the next episode is where we get omega with energy bow weapon for some reason they're going to somehow find the weapon. Somehow she learns how to use the weapon and they have to, it's a detour episode. I feel like the next episode is a detour episode and then it's Rex episode. I think that's maybe where we're going. I would, I would say that's probably the best theory. The last point I want to bring up is you mentioned Omega somehow knowing, you know what we haven't seen in the first three non-premiere episodes. What? We haven't seen Omega consciously use the force Hmm. so if you if you want your theory of her being a force sensitivo to be correct then that would be have to be the next episode right of them hinting at they have to bring it up at some point right yeah it's interesting that you were focused more on the character and things like that than her being necessarily Mm -hmm like what what she might be there for what she might have been created for so it's interesting i just wanted to bring that up before we ended that we haven't seen that but it's still in the back of my mind so we're keeping an eye out for it well we'll keep an eye out next week uh we'll see what happens on the episode of bandage we will so go ahead and if you want to keep up with the show follow us on twitter at at gold squad gaze on instagram at at gold squadron gaze uh, you can also follow me on Twitch at CWRogers6. We've been playing Star Wars games on Mondays when these episodes drop. And we will see you guys next week. Every Monday with another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. I want to die. <laughs> Bye. I mean, this is why tops exist is to open jars for you. Eye roll emoji. Um, (laughs) He literally just did an eye roll. Like his eyes rolled up into the back of his head.